0: This week on Grape Encounters Radio.
1: For some reason, it doesn't sit well with me that something as elegant, feminine, restrained, and classically beautiful as Pinot Noir could be matched with someone that I would describe using terms as. You
2: know, All right, and now you're getting now time. you're getting now you're getting personal. Okay, well, then, I'm what getting I'm getting
1: personal then what? Getting personal. Peel
3: me a grape
0: crush me some ice Skin me a peach, save the fuzz for my pillow.
2: And it is time for your weekly Grape Encounter. And Grape Encounters, of course, is the one place that you can go to where you can escape this incredible political year that we're immersed in. You know, it doesn't matter where you turn. It's all about the presidential race. So here, of course, is the one place where you can get away from it all. But actually, eh, not the case today, because one of my favorite things to do is to pair wine with things that we don't normally pair wine with. So during the Academy Award season, we will pair wine with the nominees for Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Motion Picture. During football season, we will pair wine with different football teams. And this election has been so interesting, so surreal, that I could not resist the opportunity to pair wine with the top political candidates. So who better to get on the line and talk politics and wine with me than a person, who can talk about absolutely everything? He is one of my five favorite wine guy and wine gal guests. It, it's Wes Hagen from Hey, Hey David, how are you doing? How do you like being in the top five?
1: Well, I'm, I I love the top five. Of course, you know politics and my own personal feeling. I want to end up being number one. I don't know if you chose five on purpose because that's how many candidates are left in this. Right? No,
2: I didn't do that, but I will name some of the five. Okay, so yep. th- this is the company that you're in. My favorite wine people to talk to. We recently added. I mean, he just zoomed right up to the top, Michael Mandavi, because Mm. Michael is just an amazing guy. I have wanted to spend time with him for years and years and years and got to do that a few weeks ago, and that's amazing. Mike Gergich is in the top five, the winner, one of the winners of The Judgment of Paris which is celebrating its 40-year anniversary. And then the always colorful Jean-Charles Boisset. And I'm holding out for that fifth one. There are a couple of people that are right in there, but I haven't decided yet. But you're in good company, right?
1: That's excellent company. And, uh, you know, um, Monsieur Boisset, of course, made an excellent decision to marry Gina Gallo. And Gina's one of my favorite people that I've ever judged wine with. Fabulous shoes, gorgeous woman, beautiful wines. I think they're the new sort of royalty of Californian French wines. Talk about a Couple.
2: Okay, so talk about royalty. It seems that at least some of the candidates for the presidency would, I think, think of themselves as royalty or certainly entitled.
1: <laughs> but Oh, certainly, or that judge their, their net worth by how they feel on a certain day.
2: Yeah, there you go. But anyway, you know, here's what I want to do. Because this is such a volatile election, I don't really want to take any sides here. You know, this isn't okay. about who my favorite candidate is. And what I wanted to do is pair... Wines with the candidates based on... Well, you can do whatever you want to do, but the way I'm going to do it is I'm just going to pick out character traits that are widely publicized in the news and things about the candidates and then choose a wine. So uh, I may not like one of these candidates, but I might pair them with a wine I like just because of the way that I'm going about doing this. Does that make sense?
1: It makes great sense. And I think that one thing, one caveat I would use is that when we talk about pairing wine with anything except maybe food. I think what we're really doing is just saying we'd all really like a drink and having a conversation within that drink about how we would like to enjoy that wine. So I'm just going to go on the record saying that, you know, pairing wine with football teams, pairing wine with all this, it's it's a slightly complicated way of saying, wouldn't it be nice to justify having another drink today to make ourselves happy, give ourselves a better time to sit around and have a great conversation. And to be honest, having a drink makes us all happy and we look forward to it at the end of the day. So anything that gets us to having a conversation Conversation around wine, I think, is a fantastic thing.
2: But you know, when you get up in the morning and you get dressed, don't you oftentimes choose your wardrobe based upon how you feel that day?
1: Oh, Sure, you know I'm. I'm or if, how you, you know, want to. Or, or or how you to want to. If I'm day. going to the winery, remember winemakers have two closets. We have the closet of the clothes that our spouse allows us to wear to the winery, and the clothing that we wear when we're going someplace other than the winery. Because you can imagine uh, we get pretty. We can get pretty dirty and pretty stained up when we're going to work. You know, rack some Pinot Noir or something like that. Yeah. But yes, absolutely. Um, so, you know, so my, so my po- state definitely will. So
2: my point is, is that if we're talking politics, you know, there's probably a wine that is going to best accentuate that conversation. And Mm -hmm. if the conversation is about a particular politician, then we might narrow it down to that particular wine. So anyway, enough said. This is an exercise that should not be taken seriously, folks. Okay? (laughs) Okay. This is where we're having some fun with the candidates and with the election. It's a very surreal election, and this is just all in good fun. So don't read too much into this, but this will be an exercise that I expect all of you to replicate in your own lives. This is fun. It it helps you to get to know the wine better anyway. So we're going to do it. Anyway, on the line with me, Wes Hagen, one of my faves. He is a winemaker. He is an author. He is a lecturer. He is a wine judge. He is a renaissance man. You even hunt your own game with bow and arrow. Do you not?
1: Not recently. Uh, not since I left the ranch. Uh, my neighbors up in Santa Maria don't really probably wouldn't <laughs> like to see me. But you, uh, you know, kind of like, be very, very quiet. I'm hunting rabbits with my bow and arrow. Although I do actually own a long, a long bow, and that just shows you what kind of a geek I am. So
2: you do, and you roast your own coffee beans. I mean... I do. Yeah, exactly. You make your own clothes out of the hides of the animals that you...
1: Certainly not. No, Certainly not. Okay. But you know what? You know, uh, America and American politics should be about self-sufficiency and self-governing. I think that, you know, wine has been involved in, uh, you know, democracy ever since basically the symposia of Ancient Athens, and we would have these wine-drinking parties where we would talk and come to consensus, and that really was the beginning of democracy. So I will say at the beginning of this, just the fact that we're having an open democratic conversation about these things leads us back to how wine gave the world democracy and humanism. So this actually makes perfect sense because politics, wine, democracy all start really in ancient Athens in the first century BCE.
2: Wow. That's pretty astute of you.
1: Okay. Well, thank you. Let's grab a candidate and
2: jump in. Let's do it randomly, okay? I'm going to let you Mm. pick one, okay? Any, Uh, Any candidate?
1: Let's start with Kasich.
2: Oh, Kasich. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. I'm going to let you go first. What do you got? Sure. What would you pair with uh, John Kasich? uh,
1: You know, I would say that he would be a $50 Syrah because there's that old joke what's the difference between uh, a venereal disease and a $50 Syrah? You can get rid of the venereal disease. You know, so (laughs) Kasich is sort of like a $50 Syrah because he sits on the shelf far too long and no one's really paying any interest to him. But it does actually make the store a little bit more interesting seeing something that would be delicious that no one really wants. Really? It's Uh, impossible to get, yeah.
2: You're going to be so shocked at my answer. Okay. Because we haven't compared notes at all, okay?
1: right. And by the way, I wrote all of these while I was in Washington, D.C.
2: Oh, you did for a little bit of inspiration. I did. All right. so here's what I got, okay? So, Kasich is the guy who describes himself as the only adult in the room, right? Right. He said that many times during the presidential debates and otherwise. He's a candidate, I would say, that everybody seems to like pretty well, but very little attention is actually paid to him. Nonetheless, uh, he appears to be a man of character, and he continues to hang in there even though he's not winning any popularity contest. So for Kasich, I have chosen... Cabernet Franc. You want to know why? Sure. Well, because many people don't realize that Cab Franc is the father of Cabernet Sauvignon, which is a far more popular wine. And all the same, Cab Franc is the adult in the room that few wine drinkers pay much attention to. Get it? The adult in the room, the father of Cabernet Sauvignon? There you Uh, go.
1: You've got got a wine that that should be important, but uh, everyone is kind of looking the other way because there's stuff that's more flashy on either side.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And I've been telling people for at least the last year now that they need to start paying more attention to Cab Franc because it truly is an adult drink and if you like Cabernet Sauvignon you will I think love Cab Franc just as much
1: you know you bet. And and my, just, just an amazing ten, wine. My 10 second suggestion is if you haven't tried Cab Franc I think where you start is either in Chinon which is a region in the Loire Valley of France C-H-I-N-O-N or Bourgueil, which is another village or commune very close that both of uh, Chinon and Bourgueil. Reds will be 100% Cab Franc and for 20 to $30 you can have some very very special wines and just because it doesn't get the attention just like Kasich I think you're going to find those wines are undervalued and uh, extraordinarily delicious in the market
2: there you go so Cab Franc from me and Syrah from you
1: a $50 Syrah a $50 it has dollar to be, it has Syrah to be a wine that'll sit on the shelves and no one will pay attention to <laughs>
2: oh I see because at $50 it's way out of the Syrah pricing league
1: well and also. Also, just it's, it's very difficult in a wine store to actually find people that want to buy expensive Syrah, at least from the people that I've talked to around the United States. It's just impossible to get rid of. And you think that a, a lot of the people in the race would think, you know, what's Kasich still doing in the race? And that would be sort of the same reason why people would look at a $50 Syrah on the, on the shelves of a small wine shop and think, what's a $50 Syrah doing there when no one's going to pay it any attention?
2: All right. Well, just when you thought that you could escape the incredible amount of conversation going on about the... The presidential race 2016, even Grape Encounters, is getting in on the act. So we'll be back with my dear friend and favorite person to go to with these kinds of questions. What wines would you pair with each of the remaining contenders, both on the Democrat and Republican side? It's Wes Hagen. He's with Jay Wilkes, by the way. You can check out their wines. And we'll be back with more Grape Encounters in just a moment.
0: In Wine. There
2: is truth, and sulfites, and
0: occasionally a a few insect parts. You learn something every day on Grape
2: Encounters Radio. If you make April your month to do some California wine tasting, your friends will surely be green with envy. That's because throughout the month of April, California wines aren't just red, white, and rosé. In April, you'll discover just how green California wines are, too. April is California Wines Down to Earth Month, and wineries all over the state are celebrating the state's leadership in sustainable wine growing with fun and educational events everywhere you turn. California has one of the most widely adopted sustainable wine growing programs in the world, with more than 70% of California's wine growers and winemakers committed to practices that benefit the environment, employees, and neighbors, and best of all, the quality of the wine is simply superb. From Earth Day wine and food festivals and green wine trails to vineyard hikes and horseback rides and special tastings, find out more at DiscoverCaliforniaWines.com. Just click on the tab that says April is Earth Month at DiscoverCaliforniaWines.com. As a lifetime wine lover, I think I own practically every conceivable wine gizmo and gadget. Now I've put together a collection of some of my very favorite things so that you can take your wine obsession to the next level, just like me. From functional to pure fun, check out my favorite things by clicking the store banner at GrapeEncounters.com. That's Grape Encounters, like CloseEncounters.com. Nestled between world-class Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo wine countries, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the humble heart of the Central Coast. With access to endless wine country adventures, including wine and olive oil tasting tours, artisan farm experiences, food, wine, and cultural events, historic Atascadero's cozy and oh-so-friendly atmosphere make it the perfect home base for Central Coast tourists. Discover more about the heart of the Central Coast at visit Atascadero.com.
0: Now, back to Grape Encounters with David Wilson.
3: A bottle of red, a bottle of whites. It all depends upon your appetite. Meet you anytime.
2: Our Italian Back with Grape Encounters Radio, and I gotta admit, didn't get much sleep last night. I have become a political junkie once again. I used to be, and then I, I kind of just became ambivalent about politics. But uh, since we now have this political race that is uh, reading more like the Jerry Springer show than actual American politics, it's fascinating, although I must say, very, very troubling at the same time. Anyway. <laughs> But somebody who can help me make sense out of it is my dear friend, Wes Hagen. He is so many things when it comes to wine, but also so many things when it comes to his world view. He is one of the most interesting people that you will ever talk to. He's at Jay Wilkes Winemakers in the Santa Maria Valley of the Central Coast of California. And uh, boy, he has been the author of multiple AVAs. He is an educator, a lecturer. I think that's almost the same thing. He is a wine judge, a winemaker, extraordinary Nair, by the way, an amazing winemaker and an amazing friend. And when you really want to tackle a tough subject, you get Wes on. And we're now talking about, well, what wine would we pair with each of the remaining candidates as we go deeper and deeper into this election? I'll tell you, it takes a bottle of wine to get through an evening of CNN. I'll tell you that. And Wes, we did John Kasich. Is it it Kasich or Kasich? I say it both ways.
1: I think I'm remembering that Kasich is probably the correct pronunciation. I was the one saying Kasich. So, So I I apologize to him. But again, I think he is marginalized to the point where we don't even need to know how to pronounce his name unless we're in the state of Ohio.
2: Yeah, not fair, though. He seems like a pretty nice guy. I don't know.
1: Very nice guy. Unfortunately, nice guys finish last in a year where everything is shoved to the extreme.
2: Isn't it funny? Everybody is kind of saying, even on both sides, well, you know, what? if Kasich had a chance, uh, we might be okay. But then nobody's going to support him because they don't believe that he can make it. But then, you know, a year ago, who would have imagined that Donald Trump would be dominant the political landscape. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, w- l- let's go on to the yep. next one. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna choose this time. We're gonna just yep. get, get random here. Let's jump to the Democratic side and let's go with Bernie Sanders. This is an interesting guy.
1: Do you wanna. You wanna do yours first this time? We'll trade off.
2: Yeah, I guess I can. Okay. Go for it. Now I'll tell you what. First of all, there was something that my wife said. I'm not gonna. I. This is not attributable to me. And she likes Bernie Sanders a lot. But she said. Uh, She said, wow. She goes, this one's really obvious. She says a lot of people refer to Bernie Sanders as a pinko. (laughs) Okay. So I got to thinking about that rosé, man, and it only makes uh, sense. Uh, There's a lot to work with here. Now, think about it. Sanders is the liberal candidate who stands for fairness and equality in almost all things, universal health care, marital rights, income equality, you name it. So one could argue that if you took all the wealth in the world— And you put it in a giant bag, shook it up, then redistributed it evenly, would all be pretty well off. Right, Wes?
1: Uh it could be argued either way. Okay, all right. But what if you
2: took all the wine in the world? All of yes. the wine in the world and blended it and rebottled it. You would have a whole lot of rose, would you not?
1: Yes, and it would I'm sure it would probably be a very sad thing to only have one wine in the world, but I think we both know that we would both drink it.
2: And you know what? I'm I'm gonna guess it would probably be mighty tasty. I'll bet it would be.
1: If it was sweet enough, it would almost be like drinking the Kool Aid. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right well a lot of wine drinkers as you know are reluctant to try rose because they think it's just a watered- down red or a glorified white but yeah. uh true wine lovers no it's not the case uh rose differs greatly from bottle to bottle each bottle can contain something amazing and different and senator Sanders is a tell it like it is guy who doesn't worry about what other people think you know i
1: think that that's perfectly true and I like the rose that's a that's a good call
2: he is a, a gentle revolutionary who dances to his own drummer, so you may not like his politics, but you probably don't find it hard to like him. Personally.
1: I would agree. And that's agree. What, and
2: that's what I would say about Rose.
1: What do you think about that? I liked it. I'm gonna go someplace completely different. Not okay. only okay, not please a place do. that is known for Rose but makes a little bit. I'm gonna to go to Bordeaux and I'm gonna tell you why. We're gonna to go to a specified region in Bordeaux called the Madoc. And the Medoc is as left as left bank Bordeaux gets. You cannot go any further left in Bordeaux than the Madoc. Uh, The wines are described, it's mostly, uh, it's going to be Cabernet, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Petit Verdot, maybe a little bit of Malbec. Um, The wine is usually described as stern, but ages well with gravelly intensity. Wow. And you like that? I
2: love where you're going with this.
1: It's also home to the longest marathon in the world. So it's actually like more than like 26.2 miles. It's more like 27 but you stop along the way and you drink. So sort of like, I like that longest marathon in the world. It also gives the idea that he's been in this race a lot longer probably than people gave him credit for. And, and it's also known for, the Madoc is known for producing very grapes that require very slow ripening. So I think his ideas have been slow to ripen, slow to come to fruition, but I love that it's as left as left gets in Bordeaux and it's stern, but ages well with gravelly intensity. So I think that one fits pretty well.
2: All right. So, therein lies the difference between you and me I gave kind of a Charlie Brown answer and you gave a Lucy answer
1: wah, 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 <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all
2: right let, let's um, let's throw another one out there we gotta go to Ted Cruz okay I, 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 we'll probably be able to just get your answer in on this one and then we'll come back and we'll finish up Cruz and then we'll go to Hillary and the Donald okay right what do you because got what do you, what do you got on Cruz this will be interesting. Well, it is interesting.
1: Um, I'm going to choose something strictly constitutionalist, I think, for Ted Cruz, and I don't think you can get more any constitutionalist than Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson brought Merlot over from France in the 18th century, and Failed horribly to make a drinkable wine, so okay. he kind of ripped it out. And you know, at that point, the idea was maybe uh, Virginia wasn't going to be uh, making rock star wines. But just like uh, Cruz in the last few months, uh, Virginia wines have been on the rise. So I'm going to choose a Pollock Vineyard 2010 Monticello Merlot because I tasted it at uh, the Riverside International Wine Competition last year. Wow, and uh, we. We gave it a double gold award because it was beautiful. There was a wine that really changed my mind on uh, on Virginia wine, and it seems like maybe Cruz is changing some people's minds and uh, getting a little bit on more on the delegate count. Yeah,
2: Virginia actually was, I think, wine country of the year, so very interesting. So you're giving uh, Cruz points for trying then. Well, why not? Okay. All right. I have a very different answer, which I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. Hey, actually, that was more of a uh, Charlie Brown answer, that last
1: one. Uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to simplify things and keep it simple. Again, this is <laughs> okay. maybe I'm letting my own political bias leak in, but uh, or maybe right. more of my religion.
2: Right. Now you promised we weren't going to let our political biases uh, creep in. Everybody gets. Uh, I said picked... nice.
1: I said uh, nice things about him first before I said he... uh, All
2: right. Okay. Well, everybody gets picked on equally on this show, and eh, you know what? We love them all because look at how entertaining they have made this presidential election. The only That's problem, the sure. only problem is, is we're going to have to get serious here. Pretty quick. Quickly here, Okay. All right. We're going to be back with Wes Hagen. We're pairing wines with the remaining political candidates, both on the Republican and Democratic side. And we'll continue. I've got to give my answer as to what I would pair with Ted Cruz. And then it's Hillary and Donald right after this. Stay tuned for more Grape Encounters.
0: Unpretentious, unconventional and uncorked. This is Grape Encounters Radio.
2: Living in and broadcasting from one of the world's finest wine regions makes it virtually impossible not to make frequent references to the multitude of amazing things going on here on the central coast of California. Grape Encounters Radio has built one of the world's most unique wine bars so that you can have the opportunity to come to the city of Atascadero and enjoy great wines and equally good conversation with me and other visitors. Best of all, my favorite hotel in the area is literally right across the street the historic Carlton Hotel with accommodations that are both beautiful and affordable. The Carlton Hotel takes you back to a glorious time in California history. And now that the wine industry has ushered in yet another exciting new chapter here on the Central Coast, you can experience the best of then and now. Book your accommodations at the lovingly restored Carlton Hotel in Atascadero. Then, let me help you plan daily excursions that will create a lifetime of unforgettable memories. You'll find a link to the Carlton Hotel at GrapeEncounters.com. Grape Encounters Radio is always on the lookout for great story ideas, even if they're completely and totally off the wall. So here's the deal. Share your story ideas with me or send a question you'd like to hear answered on the show. If I use your question or suggestion, I'll send you a special gift. I want to know what you want to know. You can contact me on the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook or email david at grapeencountersradio.com. If you've got something for me, I've got something for you. As a lifetime wine lover, I think I own practically every conceivable wine gizmo and gadget. Now I've put together a collection of some of my very favorite things so that you can take your wine obsession to the next level, just like me. From functional to pure fun, check out my favorite things by clicking the store banner at GrapeEncounters.com. That's Grape Encounters, like CloseEncounters.com.
0: He's back and he's not alone. Your Grape Encounter continues with David Wilson and a little help from his friends.
2: Grape Encounters Radio. And no doubt, a lot of wine has been consumed while watching presidential debates with eyes glued on the screen as results come in from the various primaries as well. We thought it would be fun, and we've done this in the past before, to pair the political candidates with wines. And, you know, it's not a question of whether we like the candidates or don't like them. And it certainly is in no way meant to disparage any varietal or bottle of wine. It's just looking at the characteristics that we've become all too familiar with while watching the news and observing on our own and then comparing them to something in a wine that sticks out or some things in a wine that stick out that would make for a nice pair. So uh, anyway, I've got Wes Hagen on the line. Wes Hagen from Jay Wilkes in the Santa Maria Valley of California. Wes, an awesome, awesome Pinot maker Uh, when he was the winemaker at Clopepi. He's a renowned wine judge and educator and uh, just all-around Renaissance man. When we left off, you had given your pairing with Ted Cruz. It's my turn now. And and I kind of want to jump onto this issue that keeps surfacing from time to time when Donald Trump is not talking about Ted Cruz's wife. He likes to talk about his eligibility to be in the presidential race to begin with. Cruz is, of course, Canadian-born of Cuban descent. And Ted Cruz's cultural mix has basically been a non-issue for some but a stumbling block for others. So despite his Canadian birth, Cruz has enjoyed a lot of success by heading south. Graduating from Princeton and Harvard Law, Cruz has done well for himself, but perhaps not well enough to conquer this particular election. So though he considers himself a party loyalist, the Republicans simply haven't embraced him as part of the family. Uh, Do you know where this is going? Have you figured it out yet, Wes? Ah,
1: Going south. All right, okay, uh, just rock it. Give give me the, all right, give me the punch Okay, so I'm so ready. for so for
2: Cruz, I say it's Malbec all the way. Right. Nice. Look, look, Malbec was born in France, but moved to Argentina where it thrives, far south of its birthplace. It's part of the elite Bordeaux family, but it's never gotten the love that other Bordeaux's like Cabernet Sauvignon and Sauvignon Blanc have gotten. You can get great Malbec for a tiny price, but that causes a lot of people to not take it very seriously. Though it's been around for centuries, it will probably take a few more years for Malbec to rise to a level of prominence. And so I say, in the meantime, it'll have to do all it can to call attention to itself. And that's why I have chosen Malbec as the wine to pair like with Ted Cruz. It. That makes sense, like right?
1: You like it? I do, quite a bit, actually.
2: All right, good. All right, what do you want to do, Hillary or the Donald?
1: I think just by his nature, you have to sort of use Trump as the coup de grace, right? So I guess we go Hillary next. Okay, go for it. Well, again, I'm looking at it a little bit different, but I'm also trying to consider, as a winemaker, how I would manipulate a wine to make it into something that would match the personality and or the political beliefs of the candidate. So with Hillary, I went with a New York Riesling that was put all the way through full malolactic treatment in a barrel. And you would never, ever take Riesling through malolactic. It would make it buttery. You would lose the verve. You would lose the acid, the minerality, the sense of place. Here's why I chose that. First of all, I think Riesling is New York's best grape. And if you haven't tried some of the wines that are coming out of the Finger Lakes...
4: Yeah, uh, agreed, specifically,
1: agreed. Constantine Frank's whites, I think, are just stunning. A lot of people don't know that Hillary Clinton did a lot of wonderful things for the New York wine industry. Awesome. So I'm giving her credit for being from a region and representing a region that has spectacular Riesling. But this is why I've gone full malolactic. By uh, putting uh, Riesling through malolactic, it's like putting classified Data onto a private server. It's something you (laughs) never should have done, but it's something that if you don't pay attention, it'll happen on its own.
2: Wow, that's
1: (laughs) it? That's it. That's fantastic. I love it. Thank you. All right.
2: So I'm going a a little different direction. So for many years, and especially during this campaign, we have heard Hillary Clinton referred to as royalty, being a person that seems to have a sense of entitlement to the throne. Most see her as the undeniable queen of the campaign trail with an almost God-given right to the White House. Would you agree?
1: Uh, I think that she's going to be our next president.
2: Okay. So what seems to be working against Hillary this election year is the fact that she's been in politics far too long for many people's taste. She represents the democratic establishment, and many find the prospect of Hillary being president a bit hard to swallow. Nonetheless, Hillary can go from warm and welcoming to harsh and wooden. She can be complex, and she can keep her message very simple at the same time. So, I'm going with Chardonnay, because Chardonnay has long been referred to as the Queen of Whites. It's the most popular white wine in the world, but like Hillary, it has not been without its issues. Not long ago, there was a real Revolt against Chardonnay, the revolt stemmed from the fact that winemakers were leaving it in oak barrels for a prolonged period of time. The wine was losing its elegance, its finesse. It was becoming hard to swallow. And this once welcoming wine that everybody had loved so much, well, had become, uh, Wes, kind of wooden. Let's call it that. Now, some would call that buttery. And many would say that Hillary also tries to butter us up a lot of the time. Anyway, for Chardonnay to remain the queen of the wine world, it would have to broaden its appeal and shake off the perception of spending too much time in the barrel, or in Secretary Clinton's case, too much time on Capitol Hill. Like it? And
1: it sort of. Yep. And uh, it kind of reminds me. Remember ABC? Anything but Chardonnay. That could also stand for anything but Clinton. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay.
1: I love Chardonnay because Chardonnay is like an editorial model. It's not about her. It's about the clothes we hang on her as winemakers. It's it's the wine of affectation. And uh, you could probably make a, a political statement that sometimes we don't really know what's going on in the heart of Hillary Clinton, but she lets us know what she wants us to think.
2: Okay. We only have a couple minutes left, and I don't know if we're saving the best for last, but. We're saving the obvious for last. Donald Trump, I'm going to let you take it away.
1: I'm almost guessing you're going to do the same thing, but I'm not sure. I'm going to go for a cult Napa Cabernet. Why? It's bombastic, overripe, prone to be consumed to a vomitous state and a state of intoxication, and it's often priced above its imminent value. Wow. (laughs) And that's it. That's it? That's it. All right, you're going to— Bombastic, overripe, prone to be consumed to a vomitous state of intoxication, and often priced far above its imminent value.
2: All right, okay. You're going to kill me for this one, okay? No, go for it. All right, so uh, against all odds, I would say uh, Donald Trump's popularity continues to rise at a meteoric rate, although he's been dropping a bit lately in popularity. He's gone from a total outsider to the perceived rescuer of an electorate that feels totally alienated, and I might add that just by some. His temperament is fodder for endless discussion by political analysts. You either like him or you don't, and that fact has created more arguments than we can even wrap our arms around. Uh, Trump is a chameleon from one day to the next. His unpredictability is the only thing that is predictable about him. And so uh, when Trump came on the political scene, most thought it would be a flash in the pan. And today, many are asking, just how long can this last? So you might be surprised, Wes, that I have chosen peanut. Noir to pair with Donald Trump. Ouch. Yeah, but consider this. Pinot is considered by most winemakers to be one of the planet's most temperamental grapes, right?
1: Yeah. Hard
2: to control, hard to predict, hard to shape into the sophisticated wine that guys like you always want it to be, right?
1: Unlike Trump, though, it plays well with others. Here's my biggest problem with that is Pinot Noir, basically, it's more important the note that Pinot doesn't play than it does. It's not a wine of concentration and intensity. It's a wine of elegance and restraint. And I just don't see any elegance or restraint in Donald Trump. But I I loved where you went with that. I thought you did a good job. And I think you were kind of riffing on how Sideways kind of uh, was the flash in the pan. And then Pinot Noir just continues to sort of maintain well, its popularity. Well, uh,
2: well, here's the deal, OK? When the Sideways character, Miles, went sideways. Sideways about Merlot. And by the way, Merlot is the wine that I have long thought was the perfect match for Marco Rubio now out of the okay. race. It was all over for Merlot, right? And it seemed like everyone jumped on the Pinot bandwagon. And that included a lot of people who only drink it because they think they have to to be a winner. You know, mm. some people drink Pinot just because. And they don't drink the really good Pinot that you make, they drink the puny Pinot's. Anyway, the problem with Pinot is this, in my opinion, it can be great or it can be unpalatable, you yep. know? That's the truth.
1: I, I just want to make Pinot great again. That's... <laughs> okay. All right. But uh, for some reason, it doesn't sit well with me that something as elegant, feminine, restrained, and classically beautiful as Pinot Noir could be matched with someone that I would describe using terms as...
2: All right, sort of and now you're getting now time. you're getting now you're getting personal. Okay, well, then why don't we just go here with it? Okay, remember the comments uh, in the debate about the size of Donald's hands? <laughs> yeah, uh, can you describe for us the size of pinot berries?
1: They are actually some of the smallest berries in the world of wine, and they are actually hermaphroditic. So I don't know where that's going to go. <laughs>
2: okay, enough said. Uh- all right, Wes, been a
1: pleasure. Always, always, how, David. Thank how, you so much for how having fun, me on. How fun was that? I, uh,
2: we're going to get letters, Wes. And again, I want to just, ahead. I simply say this, that it was all in fun, all in yes.
1: fun. That's it. Stop by jwilks.com and send me an email if you ever have any questions about wine or anything else. Okay.
2: And we're going to be back in just a second. And it's going to be Sarah Schneider, wine editor of Sunset Magazine. And get this, Ian Cobble. Love it. That next. Two, of my, two great people. Yeah, two great people. Ian Cobble, of course, being the star of the movie Song. when we return with Grape Encounters Radio.
1: We like to talk about wine.
2: If you make April your month to do some California wine tasting, your friends will surely be green with envy. That's because throughout the month of April, California wines aren't just red, white, and rosé. In April, you'll discover just how green California wines are, too. April is California wine's down-to-earth month, and wineries all over the state are celebrating the state's leadership in sustainable wine growing with fun and educational events everywhere you turn. California has one of the most widely adopted sustainable wine growing programs in the world, with more than 70% of California's wine growers and winemakers committed to practices that benefit the environment, employees, and neighbors, and best of all, the quality of the wine is simply superb. From Earth Day wine and food festivals and green wine trails to vineyard hikes and horseback rides and special tastings, find out more at discovercaliforniawines.com. Just click on the tab that says April is Earth Month at discovercaliforniawines.com. As a lifetime wine lover, I think I own practically every conceivable wine gizmo and gadget. Now I've put together a collection of some of my very favorite things so that you can take your wine obsession to the next level, just like me. From functional to pure fun, check out my favorite things by clicking the store banner at GrapeEncounters.com. That's GrapeEncounters, like CloseEncounters.com. Nestled between world-class Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo wine countries, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the humble heart of the Central Coast. With access to endless wine country adventures, including wine and olive oil tasting tours, artisan farm experiences, food, wine, and cultural events, historic Atascadero's cozy and oh-so-friendly atmosphere make it the perfect home base for Central Coast tourists. Discover more about the heart of the Central Coast at visit Atascadero.com.
0: She's earthy, honest, and sipping each week as a service to you. From Sunset Magazine, it's Sarah Schneider, and this is Sipping with Sarah on Grape Encounters Radio.
2: And indeed, it is time for Sippin' with Sarah, and we have a guest with us, Sarah, today. It is Ian Cobble, star of the movie Psalm. He's one of the most high-profile psalms in the world today. And Ian, welcome again Thank to you. A great Encounter. Pleasure to be here. Hey, I thought it might be fun to just try a wine that I think might be very unexpected to all of us here. And since Ian's here with us, I thought it'd be fun to have him join in the game a little bit, too. Ian, sure. uh, you told a story that I thought was pretty funny. Somebody tried to surprise you with a wine and it ended up being like two buck chuck or something like that. Can you tell that story? Uh, What was that? I think it was even the director of SOM. Yeah, they sat us
4: down to blind taste us on a wine and they poured us a Chardonnay from Charles Shaw. Yeah. Two buck chuck. And it was surprisingly good, right? Well, it didn't taste like Chardonnay. Okay, all right. It 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 kind of tasted like a good Pinot Grigio.
2: Okay, all right. Yeah,
4: Yeah, no oak. You know, grapes were probably from off the five Freeway in Modesto somewhere. Is that where the fresh
3: cut Garden hose No, that's for Riesling <laughs> That's
4: kind of a component That smells like fresh rubber huh. And so if sure. you talk to anybody Who's tasted Claire Valley And versus Alsace Versus Germany There's a fresh rubber component That's definitely an influence For me, I played tennis growing up uh-huh. uh, Some people have kids And they have new pool toys And they call <laughs> it a new pool toy It's so all it is is fresh rubber At the end of the day It's just a fancy way of saying it
2: This wine I think is interesting For a couple of reasons And so I thought I would just pour it for you I, I've just poured it blind And I just want to get Your impression of it And it's going to be Particularly interesting to get Sarah's impression of this, and that will become obvious in just a moment. So here's a wine. You don't know what it is. You don't know what it costs. You don't know where it came from. So let's start with Ian as a high profile master psalm. Where do you start with this?
4: Uh well, I look at the color. The color's very concentrated. You can barely see through it. It's opaque. It's got a color of like almost like a classic Chateau to Pop, but you smell it, it's a ripe nose. It's definitely grown in a warmer climate. Uh, it's definitely picked a little bit later. You can smell a little bit of the alcohol in the nose, but it's very well balanced, has a lot of beautiful, you know, red and black fruits, but definitely more rich, slightly spicy in profile as well. Almost a hint of white pepper. But I like the wine on the palate. The wine's rich. It has fresh... So you've, you've already tasted it. I did taste it. And how yeah, much you, You can't pour wine for me and, you know, well, I, 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 slow me down. I'm just kidding. Uh, okay.
3: Yeah. What he said. What he said. <laughs> 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 you know, I was thinking you love to stump me on air and I feel like I have an out today because I'm sitting beside a master song. I agree with everything. I have had a tiny bit of a disconnect between nose and palate on this. The sweetness of the fruit kind of surprised me a little bit, but it comes together because I got an earthiness on the nose. Like you said, the pepper, the spiciness, I get a little bit of a loaminess on it.
2: Well, I had an interesting experience because I came upon this wine at a wine festival and... I tasted it and I really enjoyed the wine a lot. I mean, just, you know, just initially I thought, gosh, this is really a really enjoyable wine. I mean, I just got, you know, and it was kind of one of those things where you're going fast, so you're analyzing things very quickly. And then I looked at what it was and I was more taken aback. Are you going to tell us? No, because you're going to tell me,
4: Ian. My initial conclusion, I mean, this is not an easy wine. This is definitely coming from a a warmer climate. I think this has perhaps Spanish varietals or French or both. I mean, it Mm, reminds me of almost like... Mia, like Monastrell, but I don't Mm. think it's not quite as raisinated and fig-like. Almost reminds me of really ripe Tempranillo meets Mm -hmm. Grenache and Syrah. They're doing some weird blends like that in Paso. Also, um, you know, down even um, where I've been spending a lot of time down in Baja California, they're making some really rich stuff that's kind of like, in a blind tasting, it's really gonna mess with your mind, because a lot of it, you don't know what it is and how they got it. But this does remind me of something Spanish in origin, but I wouldn't doubt if it was from Paso Robles or a warmer climate like Baja California as well. But um, if this is a classic wine, from anywhere in the world. I would guess this was a Grenache Syrah Maved blend from Paso Robles. But if it's not a classic wine, uh, we can talk about what I'll my guess is. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: And Sarah, you want to take a wild stab or are you going to do what he said again?
3: When I'm thinking about the fruit again, it almost says Grenache to me um, as a major component. It's that cherry,
2: sweet cherry When I first fruit tasted it, I thought it was a GSM. That's what I thought it was too, but it's not. So there's a little bit of right here at the table. Not, <laughs> we get t- not too much. So the reveal, ready? And this is going to be Go a particularly it. interesting reveal because I have to do this. I'm going to keep my hand off the neck. And so do you is, want to read what that says, Sarah?
3: Cardella, 2012 Barbera from Mendota, and will California. You, will
2: you explain
4: where Mendota is? Anybody? Mendota? That wasn't on the exam. <laughs> that wasn't.
2: <laughs> Mendota, So no Mendota idea. is... I mean, I can ask Siri. So <laughs> Mendota is Central Valley.
3: That's what I thought.
2: It's Central yeah. Valley. But here's the best you mean, part. Like you want to see the best part of this? Ready? I'm going to take my hand off the neck now. Oh. <laughs> Gold medal winner at the Sunset International Wine Competition. I knew I had seen Gold that label before. Winner. How about that, huh?
3: That's Impressive. Wh- I thought Impressive. that was fun, but you know that's this
4: that's, a, that's a that's a that's a mean uh, that's mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: What does this mean every week to me? <laughs> you know, but, it, but it's
2: interesting because a lot of times Central Valley wines get maligned. And this is a very enjoyable, very drinkable wine, a reasonably priced wine. And if somebody poured this for me, I would get a lot of enjoyment out of it and I'd be very happy. Right. With it. It's yeah, pretty it's a rich. It's pretty for sure. rich for a Barbera. Yeah, that's, that's a good description, a crowd pleaser. Mendota. Okay, I'm looking at a map here. Not too far from Fresno.
4: So yeah, it's very close to Fresno, just west of Fresno. Yeah. All right. I've never had a wine from here before.
2: No, me neither. And for those who are not familiar with that, so we're talking about the Central Valley of California, not the Central Coast where you're seeing so many wines come from, though they do make a lot, a lot, a lot of wine in the Central Valley, but it typically is bulk production wines and wines that are going to be blended with something else. So it's unusual to taste a wine like this coming from the Central Valley, but I always enjoy when... you. You get to taste something this good from a place like that because if you can make one, you can make many. Without a doubt
4: most of the wine you see labeled as California. Yeah, most exactly. of it's coming from the Central Valley. But it's a very, very warm region which doesn't have any diurnal shift which means the difference between the hottest it gets during the day and the coldest it gets at night. But tasting this wine it's uh, definitely solid. I've never it, tasted a Barbera this rich because Barbera typically comes from Piedmont.
3: You and know? I would think more acidity in a in Barbera. Italy.
4: Right. And, it and, does have a little freshness of it. Little, you know, little a little bit. A little bit of freshness. Yeah. It's a Crowd please Did you think I, think I was gonna call Mendota Barbera? Did you think I was gonna call Fresno Barbera?
2: <laughs> no, absolutely not. I don't. I think it would have been an impossible wine to guess.
4: No, I was just. I was just wondering if, like, you thought maybe there was that a rare chance. No, no, that, that one of us might actually get it
2: because because we looked at that, that label Mendota and we're all going Mendota. For a second, I thought I said Mendoza. Mendoza, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they misspelled the Z. Right, do we give this a? I give it a thumbs up. Yeah, Sarah. Yeah, there's I, I would give it a like thumbs up. It. Yeah,
3: obviously our judges at our wine competition gave it a thumbs up.
2: I think if that. Average consumer picked up a bottle of
4: this. They'd be very happy. Everyone would like it. They'd yeah. be super
2: sure, happy. Yeah. absolutely. Okay, great. So, uh, Cardella, congratulations. Okay, well, that's going to do it for Sipping with Sarah. That it's was been a good, good one, huh, Sarah? It's been good. That was yeah. one of the best. And Ian, thanks again for joining us. Pleasure. I really loved having you on. Thank you so much. I appreciate
0: it. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounter's microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking
3: a breather until next week's edition.